Sales, more well-established lesbian. Chapter 40 Making friends as an adult is hard. Long gone are the days when you just walk up to someone and say, do you want to be my mate? Bam, just like that, you've got yourself a new mate. Job done. As one of these alleged grown-ups, now you have to find the energy and the inclination to join some sort of activity on top of your full-time job. And you'll probably have to pay for the privilege too. But the reason why people will tell you to do this is because it works. We had met so many new people thanks to Roller Derby. Ash and I had been a little concerned about being a couple on a team. We didn't know how we'd react to training and competing together or even playing against each other. And neither of us wanted it to affect how we got on with the rest of the team. I mean, yes, we're together, but we're not joined at the hip. So we gave each other plenty of space. And to me, it was really interesting to see how we were drawn to different people on the team. For example, Ashley got on really well with Pat, much more so than I did. I hadn't quite forgiven her for bullying me into a pair of skates. For me, it was the likes of Betty and her mate Irene. They were the kind of people I wanted to hang out with. You know, sense of humour, drier than the Gobi Desert. Zero drama, zero bullshit. Just cool people. And it feels kind of weird, being in your mid-thirties and trying to work out how to make friends with people. So I did what I'd done for a number of years now, and I just sort of went along with Ashley. She really was the life and soul of a night out. Granted, a liability at times, but on the whole, a good time. It was rare these days for me to be able to keep up with Ash on a night out. I was almost always ready to head for our bed well before Ashley was. So often, we'd part ways when this happened. No need to spoil Ash's fun. As long as she's still out with someone she knows or trusts, then I'm going to leave her to enjoy the night to the maximum. And she would. Ashley knew exactly how to eke every last moment out of a night. And thanks to Rora Darby and her job, our social life was coming back to life. It also helped that it was now just a five quid taxi ride home from town after a night out. I'm telling you, the cab ride home to the village after a skinful was awful, enough to make me immediately exit a taxi and heave in my beautifully manicured rose bushes. I did not miss that at all. One of the reasons Ashley was loving nights out in town was because it had a gay pub. And like all good havens for the gays, it had a dance floor, a camp DJ and cheap drinks and a very late license. Now, you are more than welcome to try and convince Ashley to put that drag queen down and come home. But let me tell you from experience, they will both protest loudly and you will understand exactly why I generally leave her to it. So as you can imagine, I am very up for Ashley making new friends, especially ones who'll stay out on the dance floor with her. Now, of course, we're not the only newbies on the team and there are people joining all the time. When people sign up, some of them get a little obsessed and fully commit to the cult of roller derby. Guilty as charged. Some sort of dip in and out. And then there's the folks who appear once, try it and go, that is not for me. No, thank you. Fair play to them for trying it out though. Unfortunately, a new skater had started who I could not stand. And her and Ashley were becoming fast friends. Fuck my life. And when I say I can't stand her, I mean it. And I felt it from the get-go. 
I'm not going to sit here and tell you I am the best judge of character ever. I mean, how could I? You've already heard me get it wrong a few times. But my gut called this one immediately. The moment Alice showed up to a training session, I knew I didn't like her. If, however, you'd have asked me why, I wouldn't have been able to articulate it. It was just a vibe I was getting. So when this happens, you know, like I immediately take a dislike to someone, I like to consider a few things. Because if I don't like someone, it's often them showing me traits and behaviours that I have. And, um, well, I don't really like the taste of my own medicine, I'll be honest. It's something I've definitely noticed about myself before, that whenever I see myself reflected back at me, I don't particularly like it. So there's definitely some of that going on, I think. And Alice is a sporty lesbian. In fact, Alice is a bit of a sporty lesbian stereotype. She is a PE teacher. And so there was a part of me that had to consider whether some of my dislike was based in jealousy. And Alice was picking up the game as quickly as I had. She was also a metric fuckton more aggressive on track than me. Technically, out of the two of us, I had the more butch aesthetic, but Alice, Alice looked like she could knock me out. And we were, of course, both very opinionated, outspoken people. Ashley had clearly taken to Alice, quite liked her. And if I'm honest, that probably did bother me. So I added all these things up and tried to ignore my misgivings and get over myself. The three of us even attend a boot camp together. But the more I see Alice around Ashley, the more suspicious I get. I'm pretty sure Alice has taken a shine to Ash. And this, this does not help me warm to Alice, who I am starting to think is being just a little above civil to me purely because she likes Ashley. And if she falls out with me, that's going to make life difficult for her. But during training sessions and drills, Alice wants to beat me at everything. I keep finding that it's her I'm in competition with. It's technique versus brute force and ignorance. Alice is a hammer and everything in roller derby is a nail to her. She's the kind of teammate who forgets the plan the moment the action kicks off. She wants to be the hero of every jam. And annoyingly, she actually has the potential to be that kind of player. But there is a distinct lack of humility. I mean, she can hit a bitch, but she's never going to make it through a game without fouling out. For all of these reasons and more, Alice frustrated the life out of me. But hey, Ashley had put up with Paul for years, so not a lot I could say, really. Next thing I know, we're invited to celebrate Alice's birthday with her and her friends. Just a night out in the next town over, because they too have a gay bar, and Alice is single, and her friends would like to help resolve that. I, of course, would also like Alice not to be single. It may help my situation too. At pre-drinks, I can't help but notice I might as well have not come. I mean, the rest of her friends are a nice enough bunch, but... It's clear that Alice has only invited me because she feels like she had to. Just out of sheer politeness. After a few drinks though, Alice gets real matey with me and I now can't decide what's worse, being ignored or this nonsense. In fact, all around me the drinks are kicking in and next thing I know, Ashley and Alice are drunk on stage doing karaoke. 
It's already been a long night in my world and these two flirting on stage is not doing it for me. It's a pretty quiet night in the bar and so Alice and her friends are pretty much back to back on the microphone. I head out for a break from the shouting and the shrieking and the cajoling to join in. And I get chatting with some of the folks in the smoking area, you know, as you do. I hear a couple of songs go by and uh, I realise I really ought to go back in and make more of an effort to be sociable. As I head back in, the place is still pretty dead. I can see Alice's friends, but no Alice. And that's weird, because I can't see Ashley either. I do a lap. Maybe she popped out for a fag as I came back in. I stick my head out there, and no sign of her. I ask my new mates in the smoking area if they've seen a hot girl with braids recently. They haven't. I head back in, and uh, there they are. So right next to Alice's friends. You ever just look at two people and feel like you know something is different? Yeah, that's exactly how I felt when I came back in and looked at those two. Not a thing to prove it. Just that gut feeling. I thought I'd just being silly. I downplayed it. I'd had a few drinks and Ashley's probably drunk too. And I have to be honest, I don't like Alice. I'm probably just looking for reasons to justify that, I thought. But I couldn't help thinking Alice looked more than a little bit pleased with herself as the taxi dropped her off. Especially as she'd had zero luck with the ladies that night, apparently. It's Sunday morning and Ashley has slept off her hangover. She comes downstairs and I pop the kettle on, make her a much needed cup of tea. We are discussing whether or not we should cook a fryer. I have to confess, Ash is in far better shape than I thought she'd be in. Honestly, thought she'd be proper hanging today. There were numerous shots last night that I did not participate in, but Ashley did. And in fact, even Ash is surprised she doesn't feel worse. She doesn't remember much after the first couple of songs of karaoke. It's slightly unusual. Ash doesn't normally forget the night before. I mean, it has happened a few times, but it's not a regular occurrence. It's the shots that do it, I reckon. I'll say as I go to check if we even have any bacon before we each try to convince the other person to cook breakfast. We do have bacon, but I suspect if I want breakfast before dinner, I might have to concede and cook it myself. I head back out to the conservatory and Ashley is just getting off the phone. Who's calling you on a Sunday morning, I tease her. She looks dead confused. It was Alice. Why is she calling, I ask. Ash still looks confused as she tells me. Alice called to see if she was okay after last night. Ash said she explained her hangover wasn't too bad. She was a bit tired, her legs ached from all the dancing, but otherwise she was all good. This was not what Alice had meant, apparently. She wanted to know if Ash was okay after their kiss last night, and if she wanted to come round for a cup of tea this morning to talk about where things would go from here. Ash did not remember kissing Alice, so she laughed it off. Alice had insisted that Ash had kissed her, so Ashley apologised for her actions, explained that she had no recollection, but she certainly hadn't meant to lead Alice on. I had heard a bit to the conversation as I'd been fussing Gucci in the kitchen instead of looking for bacon. And now I was looking at Ashley in the face, it seemed like everything she was saying was the truth. She didn't remember kissing Alice at all. She looked perplexed. 
But I couldn't help but think that just because she couldn't remember it doesn't mean it hadn't happened. And for Alice to think that it was more than a kiss and make this call this morning, I'm a bit pissed off. And weirdly, I'm more annoyed with Alice than Ashley. Ashley sat in the chair, knees drawn up, holding her cup of tea in both hands, staring at me across the top of it. I'm watching the steam rise from her cup. It's almost as though I can see her going through her internal footage of last night. But after a quick review, according to Ashley's records, this alleged kiss is just that, alleged. I tried to laugh it off. Well, if it did happen, it can't have been that good a kiss if you can't remember it. Ash laughs too. The gist of it is, Alice thinks Ashley kissed her and it was just the start of something. Ashley thinks that even if it did happen, it was just her messing around and it clearly meant so little to her that she'd forgotten all about it. But me, what did I think? Balance of probability, Ashley kissed her. But what was bothering me wasn't the kiss. It's the call this morning. You know, the follow-up. Alice hadn't just been carried away in the heat of the moment. She wanted Ashley for herself. She clearly thought that she could just stroll in and fuck up my relationship. Now, I grant you Ashley could have just been playing me, but it did help that she just laughed the whole thing off and dismissed Alice out of hand. She apologised to me if she had kissed Alice, but swore again that it meant nothing, that she had no interest in pursuing things with Alice. I believed her. Maybe because she was telling the truth, or maybe just because I wanted to. There are plenty of niggles in our relationship, but nothing that indicated that either of us wanted to be elsewhere. They were just the usual things that we had to figure out along the way. To me, it would take more than the likes of Alice to fuck our shit up. But your new training was going to be interesting now. Alice is firmly on my shit list. But I was going to need to keep that in check, because... We don't want to become the bad lesbians. What are bad lesbians, I hear you ask? The bad lesbians were a couple who had been on the roller derby team before our time. And in their case, bad equaled drama. Most roller derby leagues are created by someone who falls in love with the game, realises that their town needs a team and so starts one. The remaining roller derby leagues are then created by drama. There's a falling out somewhere along the way Goals and values don't seem to align anymore. That's the polite way of putting it anyway. And a new league or team is formed from the conflict. If Roller Derby had a ball, this would be when the kid whose ball it is goes home. And so, as history would have it, the bad lesbians fell out with a number of people on the team and headed off to start a rival team. When Ash and I joined, the smoke had pretty much settled for the most part. We were aware of the rivalry and you learnt bits and pieces about it along the way, but for most of us, it wasn't a real thing. We'd never been involved. It was now just your sort of standard town team rivalry. But the dramatic lesbians had left a mark. Whatever happened with Ash and I, we'd be making sure we kept it off the track and out of the team. But Alice and I? No such luck. Thankfully, Alice was pretty flaky about attending training, meaning I didn't have to see her too much. But it did mean I could never be sure if I was actually going to have to deal with her or not. It was going to take some effort on my part not to react to what I felt was her incredibly disrespectful behaviour. I don't know for sure if Alice knew that I knew what had gone on. 
but the increased hostility, sneering and generally douchey behaviour made me think that she did. Actually, it was this smug look that she gave me that confirmed her knowledge and intentions for me. For the most part, I rose above it. You know, the old don't give her the satisfaction move, taking the high road. Alice really started to gun for me on track, took me clean out a few times. I wised up quickly and she missed the next couple of hits she tried to land. She's frustrated and it's starting to show in her gameplay. She starts fouling a lot. And this, I'll be honest, is one of my pet peeves. What is the point of having rules if you're not going to follow them? Seriously, what's the point of the game otherwise? Yes, I know this sounds a bit moniker, but seriously, why fucking bother? And in a self-refereeing situation, this is going to cause conflict. Obviously, I don't love it when Alice manages to land an enormous hit on me. Clearly. But... I'm much more okay with it if it's clean and it's legal. You beat me fair and square, I'll sulk, but I'll concede. You cheat and I'ma call you out, especially if I can't stand you. Alice and I have now come head to head on the track. I'm jamming, she's blocking and I can't get past her. She's doing a bang up job. Except, as usual, she gets carried away with herself and she starts to push me backwards, which is called counter-blocking, and you can't do it. You can usually get away with a little bit of a shove here or there, but Alice has actually pushed me back a couple of very obvious feet. I'll call her out on it. She thinks I'm being a sore loser and whining about petty rules. I'm trying to explain it in a game, she'd be in the penalty box. It escalates, we row on track, and obviously I'm mad about the Ashley thing, but I'm also mad about the gameplay. Alice can't keep her ass out of the penalty box and it costs the team. I'm pretty sure she actually got expelled from her first game. Her ill discipline is an issue and whilst I mostly mean that on track, both her and Ash know I mean it in a wider sense. From this point forward, Alice becomes a non-entity to me. I deal with her at Derby when and if I had to, but otherwise, to me, she didn't exist. I didn't want to know. The final nail in her coffin was a road rage incident between us. Unsurprisingly, Alice also struggled to follow the rules of the road and the complexities of a mini roundabout were too much for her tiny little brain. She pulls out when she has no right away and I narrowly avoid T-boning her car. Believing herself to be in the right, unsurprisingly, she stops on the roundabout to shout at me. Our windows are level with each other and down. And we look and recognise each other and have the exact same moment of this fucking prick. Insults are hurled, gestures are made, horns are blowing. She drives off and I can't help but hope she curbs her wheels next time she parks. Prick. Safe to say, Alice is not going to be on my Christmas card list. Talking of Christmas, our parents are making jokes about how we need to host Christmas now we've gone and got ourselves a proper house and we have a guest room that they can sleep in. I don't know what comes over me, but not only was I mowing my lawn with beautiful stripes, but now I'm offering to host and cook Christmas dinner for my parents. And then they, they only had the audacity to bloody take me up on it, didn't they? Cheek of it, absolute cheek of it. It's okay, I thought I can do dinner for four, not that hard. Then next thing I know, Ashley's invited her lot for dinner on Boxing Day. All 14 of them. I panic right now, but these are future well-established lesbian problems, right? There are enough current problems to be dealing with. 
I'd have called what happened with Alice a kick in the teeth, except, well, I didn't have any. And I'd have said it had an impact on our sex life, but uh, actually, that was already a problematic area. I've not talked a huge amount about this aspect of our life, partly because it's not that kind of story and partly because it's hard to talk about. But it is important to the story because it's important to me. Sex is important to me and feeling wanted is something I have searched for. Even when you seem to find it, it can be hard to believe them, to trust in their words or even their actions. Because the only narrative you've ever heard is that nobody's gonna want you. You're an ugly dyke. Why would that woman want you? She likes women. You don't exactly look like a woman. You're weird. Like somebody stuck a boy's head on a girl's body. Your boobs aren't big enough. You're too skinny. You remember that time your mate went, ew, because your spine was too visible. You're some girl running around pretending to be a boy. The idea of somebody fancying me, it was just too far-fetched. The world had taught me I was ugly and unattractive and it meant I was far too grateful when someone did show interest. It led to me putting their needs ahead of mine, almost always, because it was easier that way. I felt like I was lucky to be there giving her pleasure. I couldn't expect the favour to be returned though, I thought. It wasn't that I didn't want it, I just didn't think that I deserved it or that the other person should have to do that you know, feel obliged just because I had. You know, I got that I wasn't attractive. So I made sure that if the other person did feel obliged that it was as quick and easy to please me as possible. I didn't want to be any kind of burden at all. There were so many things that fed into these sorts of thoughts and over time I have unpicked some of them. You know, I soon realised I didn't need the whole world to want me or fancy me. I wasn't to everyone's taste and that's okay. But I never really shook the idea that I wasn't the sort of person people are passionate about. I don't inspire lust and, you know, I'm not the sort of person that somebody pursues. I've always done the running and the chasing. It's one of the reasons I loved that Ashley had messaged me first. And my confidence did grow with Ashley over the years. I slowly got more comfortable with accepting pleasure for myself. And if you've got a girlfriend who drunk orders sex toys, you best believe you're going to learn a thing or two. It was with Ashley I discovered how much I love strapping. We also discovered that you really do get what you pay for in the sex toy department. Top tip, don't buy a cheap harness, babes. You will only end up buying twice. It will be a worthwhile investment, trust me. In the early years, despite the housemates, sex was great, as it often is in those early days. By the time we were in the bungalow, living in that world of stress, it had taken a serious hit. And some of it was simple, you know, like timing. I was a night owl and Ashley liked it in the morning. And some of it, as I said, was just the stress of life. For Ash, if there was too much going on in her head, sex just went out of the window. I thought things had improved in the new house, but the potential Alice situation had thrown me. Ashley and I were always incredibly affectionate in our day to day, but moving it beyond that, we'd hit a problem. I was tired of always initiating. But when we talked, Ash told me that I almost always shut her down when she tried to start something. And I thought maybe she was right. I did do that, didn't I? And why did I do that? I know I wasn't feeling my best self. I don't want to bang on about my teeth, but it was definitely having an impact on me. Often I felt it was just Ash's timing that was just a little bit off. 
but there was something else that might have been contributing to it all. I've mentioned that Ash and I partied a fair bit back in the day, both of us. Nothing glamorous about it, and it probably was a massive waste of money. But from time to time, we still indulged. Ashley was back to enjoying her financial freedom, and so fun like this was back on the menu. I'd stopped doing even a line or two on a night out. It just didn't agree with me anymore. It wasn't fun like it had used to be. For Ashley, though, it hadn't lost its appeal, so it was often still around. Friday nights in our old house, Ashley would clean the place from top to bottom. Armed with a glass of wine or two and a couple of lines and the tunes blaring, she soon reinstigated this routine. Now we were back in a proper house. But yeah, Ashley hoovering at 11.30pm on a Friday night didn't really make me want to take her to bed except to make the hoover stop. Drugs were a part of our sex life, I guess. Not intentionally, but just because we'd taken drugs and then we'd had sex. If this was a Daily Mail article, they'd probably be calling it chemsex. But like I say, it wasn't intentional. It just sort of happened. But the problem started to become when, like everything else in life, nothing was ever enough for Ashley. She always wanted to keep going. She always wanted more. I'd never had to worry about not satisfying her before. And now it felt like nothing I did was enough. We'd have sex, and then Ash would get up. She would continue alone into the early hours somewhere else in the house. I felt completely useless. And never more so than the night I went to try and convince her to come back to bed, to come back to sleep. So can't we just have a cuddle? I walked in and she had the laptop open and was clearly on camera with someone else. So I just left her naked self to it. I obviously wasn't enough, message received. I just didn't really know what to do about it. So I did nothing. I tried to forget what happened in those small hours. I mean, things were mostly alright the rest of the time, so ignoring it seemed like the easy option. Let's just get on with what looks like this picture-perfect life. Let's just ignore the fact that Ashley regularly manages to come home from work and talk about herself and her day until she passes out after the third or fourth glass of wine. Entire evenings occur where she never once asks me about me or my day. I went to my parents because our friends don't need to hear this stuff and plus I'm getting a bit worried about the level of drinking. I don't tell my parents that I'm also concerned that Ash seems to now think it's okay to get on it on a Tuesday bloody night. High functioning is the only phrase I can think of, which sort of makes any conversation about it harder. Ashley is meeting all her responsibilities. She's the breadwinner. It's me that regularly has too much month left at the end of my money. How can she be the one with the problem? And it always came back to money. She never said it outright, but Ashley often made me feel that she thought she was better than me because she earned more than me. As though that fully determines our worth in this world. Maybe it was just me projecting my insecurities. Whichever way it was, I was feeling it. But from the outside, it all looked so rosy. So rosy, in fact, that someone suggests that Ashley and I apply for couples come dine with me. This could only be a suggestion from a person who doesn't know me. The idea of come and dine with me is very simple. Five people each host a dinner party, one each night of the week. They all score each other's food out of ten and the person with the highest score at the end of the week wins £1,000. 
and couples come dine with me is the exact same thing except you drag your significant other into the whole debacle. So, in essence, what Ashley would like us to do is spend four nights of a week going over to some strange couple's house for our tea where I'm unlikely to want to eat anything and then I have to make small talk with randoms and then on one of those nights I have to have them in our house and cook for 10 people with Ashley with a camera crew in my house too how about no? how about hell no? Ashley tries to convince me it'll be fun all I can say is are you new love? at some point Ashley's going to realise I don't want to be on telly but this this is clearly not that point she bangs on and on about it, but I'm not folding. I'm not going on Channel 4 just to be judged about liking my steak well done and served with ketchup. It's literally the only thing I agree with Trump on. Aside from trying to avoid a televised version of my own personal hell, I still had to deal with a dentist and uh, I have one more appointment on the cards. But this one, this one I was looking forward to. Because this time I got to try on my new teeth. Such a weird statement. I put them in and I felt ridiculous. Have you ever had those sweets that look like teeth and then you shove them up inside your lip and try to smile? Or you've given yourself one of those orange peel smiles? Imagine wearing a gum shield and then doing both of those things at the same time. My mouth has never felt so full. I had a look in the mirror. There is definitely a horse out there missing a set of teeth. These things were huge. My tongue felt claustrophobic. The dentist was able, however, to translate all of my jokes, my quips and my sarcasm into actual feedback. Because it turns out, they can change a bunch of the things I didn't like about them. And so with that, off my new teeth go. Back to the teeth tailor. They can't promise I'll get my two front teeth and more before Christmas, but they say they're going to try. As exciting as it was, the visit had actually taken some of the wind out of my sails. The dentures were pretty uncomfortable and they really didn't look right and I'm starting to worry about how they're going to affect my speech. My entire job is about standing in front of people talking all day. What if they cannot understand me? My anticipation is now laced with more than a little trepidation. But there was plenty to keep me busy. You know, like not poisoning my parents with Christmas dinner. Ten points to me, I didn't poison them, but we definitely didn't eat as early as we normally did. It took me a little while to pull it all together and uh, afterwards I was left even more in awe of my own mum's Christmas efforts. I really did discover how hard it is to get the timing right for that. The downside to my parents coming to ours for Christmas was that Ashley felt more comfortable to drink heavily. It was noticeable to all and I have to say I was a little embarrassed at times. Never more so than when my dad made a parting comment to Ashley to maybe take it easy on the wine. I don't know if that registered with Ash, but I heard it loud and clear. But we're in the thick of party season and Ashley is determined to let off some steam because that's how she sees it. She works incredibly hard, so this is her release and there's nothing wrong with that. I'd come home without her from almost every Christmas party, wondering where she was waking up and hoping that she was alright. The upside to our New Year's Eve party was that the Great Gatsby theme bash thrown by her bosses was at their new barn conversion in the country. If Ash ran off there it would likely be with a combine harvester. A Gatsby theme party gave me the perfect excuse to distract myself from absolutely everything else and focus in on the hunt for a tuxedo. I ordered tux after tux online and nothing fitted and I 
knew nothing of tailors or seamstresses and their magical skills at this point. I sent them all back and hit the high street, specifically our classic British department stores. Anywhere, in fact, they did wedding attire for kids. Shop after shop, all I could find to fit me was a full morning suit. Granted, this was an option, but since there would be no royalty present, it seemed a little over the top. I was feeling a little defeated. I just want to look sexy in a tux. Is that too much to ask? I flounced around the kids section of this large shop, snapping through hangers on a rail. The shop was in kit form, large sections boarded off. It seemed the business wasn't doing so well and they just cut the shop in half and squeezed everything in anywhere they could. You expect this sort of nonsense in TK Maxx, but at least they organised their chaos. I spotted a hoodie I absolutely did not need, but wanted. I pick it up and behind it sits an entire row of tuxedo and a whole bunch of sizes spot on for me. I look around for the changing rooms to try them on and find that they've shut these too. So I pretty much strip on the shop floor and try them on best I can without taking my trousers off. Seriously, you can take your top off in public and nobody really bats an eyelid. Start to drop your trousers and people panic. So I'm just saying, you don't want to do that. I find the best fit I've ever found and God love the kids department because you get the tux jacket, the trousers, the shirt and the velcro bow tie thrown in for free put my top back on and I head for the till. Everything in this place is on sale, but even if it wasn't, the tux is still only coming in at like 30 quid. The till looks like it's having a fit when she scans it. The price keeps coming down as the sale price changes are updated. And then finally, everything is 50% off that day at the till. I pay £1.50 for my entire outfit. £1.50. It's a bargain. It may be my best buy ever and it's still hanging in my wardrobe. And of course, I wore a proper bow tie and learned to tie it. Come on, Velcro's not very dapper now, is it? Hello, lovely to have you back again. Hope you're all kinds of good. I have one very big ask this week. If you can, please share the show on your socials. Tell everyone about it. Or just send your mate the link quietly. Tell them they can find me on nearly all of the podcast platforms. Or you can point them to my Insta, at WellEstablishedLesbian, or my website, also WellEstablishedLesbian.com. That's it. That's this week's big ask. Honestly, it would be a massive help. And to those of you who have already shared my podcast with the world, I love you. You're amazing. Thank you. The rest of you, if you haven't shared it and you do want us to be podcast BFFs forever, tag me in the post so I know you've shared it. So while you go do that, I'm going to crack on with chapter 41 ready for next week. Thanks as always for the privilege of your time and whatever you're up to this week, I hope you have a good one. Take care.